Hello and welcome to Founders Unplugged. I am your host, Greg McCallum, also known as the pay-as-you-scale commercial advisor and fractional CCO uh, and angel investor. Um, before we start, just wanted to let you know all these conversations are you know, completely voluntary by the founders who are involved. So please give them some love. They're, they're very busy individuals and they're taking two hours, up to two hours out of their day to come and sit and chat with me about themselves, about their businesses and about all other kinds of stuff. Uh, so it's a bit of fun. It's a, you know, a bit of a uh, an experiment um, and uh, really enjoyed the sports so far. So thank you so much. But do show them some love. Look in the uh, description uh, on whatever platform you're watching this and you will find links to them for their LinkedIn profiles and also the projects and the startups they're working on. So do go and check those out. And while you're at it, maybe give me a bit of love too. Um, I do this as something on the side to my main business. I run a company called ThinkWork, um, like I said, where I am the commercial advisor and fractional CCO. Um, and so if you're looking for any advice, I also do free uh, commercial advice um, for those for, for one hour, up to one hour. Uh, but uh, that, that, that job allows me to do this so i guess you could say in some ways think work is sponsoring this episode um but uh look thank you so much uh enjoy the episode please do um show love and appreciation for them and of course for this episode if you enjoy it like it subscribe share all that sort of stuff comment below that lets the algorithm know that you're engaging with it and maybe you can suggest um some people that uh, should be on the show that'd be great to have them on um and they can also uh use the form in the description to apply as well um so yeah without further ado i've talked long enough enjoy the episode thank you bye-bye founders unplugged hosted by greg mccallum Hello. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Thank you very much. Good. Busy then, I take it, yeah? Oh, it's like holidays. Coming back from holidays, just, you know, like too much to catch up on, even though I actually was doing some work from there as well, but... You were in Egypt, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. How was it? It was uh, different. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I think like... Uh, my partner and I, we have completely different expectations from holidays. Like I like to go in places where there are adventures, where you can explore things. I don't care if it's like clean or if it's dirty, literally like for me, it's mm. about like, like emotions. He prefers yeah. to be at the beach, just right. uh, relax and enjoy life. And I kind of can do this as well, but yeah. uh, if it's too much for me, it's just gets boring. Yeah. So I had yeah. a combination. We spent a uh, few days in Cairo which was amazing because of all this uh, ancient Egyptian history. And uh, then we went to Sharm el-Sheikh and we had this in this like all-inclusive resort, which mm. was fun for me for one day. Mm. But then it's kind of like, again, all artificial. It's not what Egypt is and yeah. abundance of food which is a challenge when you're trying to lose weight and <laughs> yeah 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 all inclusive it's really all inclusive isn't it it's just it's crazy yeah i'm yeah. the same i'm the same as you i get a bit itchy on those things i'm like we did that for our honeymoon we went you know five star all inclusive in mexico beautiful but like by day two i was just like oh, you know can we do something like and my, my wife was just shouting at me the whole time. Like, just sit down, relax. I'm like, I, I, what, what are we going to do? Like, I just can't sit here all day, you know. So, uh, yeah, I just ended up drinking and eating. <laughs> so this pretty much, you know, like, what also, like, 
uh, I mean, you can probably relate uh, with our skin color. Yeah. Like being under the sun all the time, it's not the best option. And yeah, I think yeah. I passed the age where I had ideas or dreams of actually getting tanned. Right. Now I know that I just get red, then it, <laughs> then it peels off, and it's also risk of cancer. So that's yeah, why yeah. like these days I'm just staying in the shade. And obviously when you are mm. there, the whole idea is, I don't know, like go for a swim and join. But when it's like plus 35, yeah, I just yeah. was kind of like, I don't care but it was still you know like it was fun it was uh quite relaxing i think it was relaxing enough for me to actually wanting to come back home oh okay but did you manage to switch off a little bit as well oh yeah 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 definitely especially like uh when we were in cairo i had uh, one of my friends from dubai joined us for a few days and that's actually didn't do any work and uh she had every single then planned for us Mm. and uh, it was fun Oh, that's nice. Yeah, very nice. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, welcome back. Well, look, um, thank you so much for joining me. As you probably can tell, we already started recording because when you came in the room, you probably... So that's the kind of style of this. It's a bit more chill. It's a bit more laid back. Um, So, yeah, there's not really a huge amount of structure to these things. If you've watched any of them, then you'll know. We just talk about absolutely anything (laughs) um, and everything. Um, But there is a little bit of structure at the Mm -hmm. beginning and the end. I think it's good. Um, Obviously, we've just started talking, but... Um, it's good for anyone watching for you, I think, to introduce yourself and then maybe your your background and your business, just to uh, to get us going, and then we can carry on talking about whatever we want to talk about. But um, so yeah, why don't you take it away, introduce yourself and uh, and your business? Okay, so uh, my name is Vasily, and uh, I'm the founder of the company called Fugin, and uh, Fugin is uh, is a B two B marketplace for wellness related classes and webinars. And uh, pretty much what our goal is to just uh, change how corporate environment is uh, treating people and what corporate wellness actually means for individuals within the companies and for uh, companies uh, themselves. So that's pretty much is my baby. That's what I'm uh, living and breathing these days. And uh, you and I met at uh, something that is kind of like related to my business, but at the same time is a little bit separate. It's uh, networking events. So I started mm-hmm. running networking events for founders and investors literally just a few months ago. And uh, the main goal for this was uh, simply for me to get in front of investors and uh, it was an experiment i didn't expect any of this to work but uh, somehow starting from the first event is just exploded and Mm -hmm. uh, now uh, i had three events and so it will be another one in beginning of uh, june so three really yeah, I it's just, it I mean, would, for the, the turnout of the last one, you would have thought it had been going for years, you know? Oh, yeah, I would. <laughs> mm. I don't know if I would be able to sustain this for years because even mm. though it's uh, like it didn't really take much for me to organize this, uh, as with like, you know, like evolution and uh, things just getting more and more complicated, which I guess, you know, like is like, like normal in life. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, was trying to experiment from like event number one and somehow every single time it would get more and more and more complex Mm. and obviously with uh all this you know like complexity the requirement of time 
that is you know like actually like how much amount of time it takes for me to put things together and do the mm -hmm. things i started doing it's uh getting more and more kind of like you know like serious and time consuming but so far it's fun and I'm definitely enjoying this. I met quite a few amazing people in there. Like I'm currently uh, running a uh, raising investment for my startup, and so far most of the investor meetings I had actually happened because of this event. So yeah. definitely was the right strategy to do mm -hmm. this. And uh, where it takes me in the future, I don't know. But so far, I'm just loving it. I'm enjoying the feedback from people. That uh, people make connections. I managed to introduce quite a few investors to founders and founders you know, to investors and mm -hmm. uh got some feedback that uh they had you know like great discussions and so, so it's kind of like amazing to feel you know like the like this okay feedback you know like to actually to actually get it and uh, know, mm -hmm. knowing that uh, what i'm doing is not just uh, my imagination and mm -hmm. it's actually like it's value to people yeah, and it was, um, but I can totally see what you mean, how it can become time consuming. And, and it, you know, the worry, I guess, is then it might take you away from your, your main goals. Yeah, yeah. Fugin, right. Um, but it was really impressive. Yeah, like you said, that's where we met in person um, for the first time, wasn't it, um, last month? And it was, yeah, it was brilliant. I, I helped out a little bit. And um, it's just, I think it's just nice to see um, founders sort of banding together to support each other, share experiences, because it is, it can be quite a lonely um venture you know oh, definitely yeah, yeah yeah i mean even even if you have co-founders you know you, you're you're kind of stuck in a bit of an echo chamber you know staring at each other or a screen and um it's just nice to have you know even if it's just a bit of a reality check from other people mm -hmm. to say no that won't work or yes it will um just just feeling a bit of camaraderie you know it's i think it's important isn't it i honestly think that's uh, what you said in the beginning like in terms of like you know, like it's a lonely place it is actually is a lonely yeah. place and uh i don't think anyone who never experienced this would actually get this kind of like on like a level of loneliness yeah but uh in my personal experience i worked in the corporate environment mm. for pretty much forever until i decided to uh, jump the ship and uh, concentrate on my own business and uh, try to actually, you know, like uh, do something. Obviously, mm -hmm. because of my experience with the corporate environment, uh, pretty much 99% of my friends or like people I speak to, you know, like they also work in the corporate environment. So that's yeah. why we had a lot in common. But uh, when you are running your own business, you just go through completely you know like different experience and oh yeah 100%. unfortunately you're kind of losing touch with your friends because of this simply mm. because let's say uh for me that's what i do every single day mm. i have a lot of things happening that i can talk to about people like you know like who are going through the same experience but mm. if i start talking about these things with someone who is you know like uh going to like a normal job for them it's just simply boring the same yeah. way for me i don't care about all this you know like politics at work whatever the drama that they mm. have you know like going on simply because right now i know like it's not part of my universe mm. and that's why uh slowly slowly you just get to the point where you kind of like get you like you know like wasting each other's time with the stories mm. just because 
you know that whatever you're talking about is completely relevant for the other person then you start filtering what what you or know like what concerns you and it's just kind of like it's not fun and again yeah. it's that obviously like it doesn't take away the friendship because i guess like in like if you have a friendship if it's it, a real friendship then yeah yeah, yeah. it is based yeah. on a lot of you know, like other things but for example mm. i cannot talk to my friends about things that uh actually do concern me you know like these days and mm. that's why you know like it is some kind of like you know like isolating experience like for example my partner i think no he pretends that he cares i mean like he cares because obviously you know, like you know, like he's supporting uh, me on this and uh uh once this works out he will benefit you know like from this as well yeah but in reality i know that most of the things that i talk about for example i know like i went to this networking event i met with the founder who is working on this bloody amazing idea and i come back home and i share mm. overshare because yes. i'm ex i'm excited and for him it's like like now he does a very good job with just like listening yeah yeah and then in a couple of days you would like bring up some conversation that you had a few days ago and yeah. uh, you wouldn't send a person action or, like didn't pay attention and again like in the beginning it's quite frustrating but you kind of you know like you know like you just get it you just yeah. get it and it's absolutely fine and that's why uh for me i found myself you know like lonely in this sense that i just didn't have anyone to just i don't know like talk shit about in terms of you know, like mm -hmm. what I'm experiencing and that's one of the reasons why I decided to go to this networking events mm -hmm. not to find investors uh, but to actually talk to people who can relate and mm -hmm. of course you can talk about so many things with people who go through the same and you know, journey and uh, uh, now luckily for me I met quite a few people I have quite a few friends who are kind of like you know like you know like in the same you know, like startup environment and uh now i have a balance of you know like my friends who i can filter things that i talk about and uh you know like people from the startup ecosystem yeah so you've got support from both ends because you don't want to talk about work all the time right you know you still you exactly. want people because if that's the only problem with founders if you sit a bunch of founders in a room all they're going to talk about is what it's like to be a founder like so at some point you might want to just go do you know what actually i don't want to do that i want to break exactly. um yeah. but but i always i always compare it to like being a, a parent like you know if if you if you don't have kids and you and you meet a parent all they want to talk about is being a parent and if you're a parent and you meet people that aren't, all they want to talk about is what it's like being single and not having kids. And it's just like, okay, this doesn't work anymore. You know, we've outgrown each other. We can't share the same experiences as much, you know, and it happens. You sort of you lose touch with these people mm -hmm. until, you know, they then experience the same thing and then you start talking about it again. But I think, you know, what it comes down to as well is that founders, generally speaking, I think the, the most, most founders I know, um, myself included, we're massive nerds. Like, we're huge nerds like we love nerding out about everything there is to do with startups startup world the startup culture the ecosystem frameworks you know um certain elements of economics and of course you know if you have like technical founders you know then they're, they're into the product side of things like you need to be able to have groups of people you can sit down and like share these things with mm -hmm. right and and it's different for every stage too like, you know every stage of the of the, the founder journey so then it's like oh you're in that stage as well me too are you having these problems too you know and then it all sort of happens like that doesn't it so yeah it's interesting it, it's um it a lot of the people i speak with 
in my line of work as a as an advisor and investor is um is really helping people mostly through that that main problem of just feeling they're alone and just saying you're not don't worry like it's been done before and you'll be fine like go to these events but i'm, I'm so glad i went it's the first one i've been to in a very very long time so thank you for having me do you know when the next one's going to be yet have you come uh, up with a date yet uh 6th of june oh cool excellent yeah what, the I, same, same venue or different yes like, you know, like the same venue uh okay. this time uh i'm trying to do something different again of course <laughs> so uh i actually want to bring investors who will be pitching to founders yes i remember you mentioning about this idea yeah yes, I, love, so, I, I love this idea so i was supposed to uh partner up with another company who already do this just right. because we have the same audience and uh like a little bit different concept their part of the event starts in the afternoon and right. my part in the evening but we just couldn't find the right venue because initially we had a plans to use the venue that uh, you saw but uh they have specific requirements for lighting in terms of filming and right. that's why it just didn't work for them and uh, we decided to kind of like delay this maybe to i don't know like july if we manage to find the venue that will work but uh i kind of had a few investors asking me these questions previously and i was like you know what i can still do this even though we don't do, do, do this together and uh i have now four investors confirmed who want to pitch and i'm hoping to get at least 10 ideally like 20. I mean, like, if I don't get enough, it's not a problem because obviously we have founders who are like, you know, like eager to pitch it at least, even if it's for practice. Of course, yeah. well, uh, if you want to join and like and pitch as an investor, as mm. an angel investor in terms of I don't know, like what you're looking for, your requirements, that would be great. Then you will be my number five. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, so you got four already. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that. Um, and also, you know, I may know a few others as well. I'll, I'll, I'll put the word out there. But and hopefully, when this goes on uh, air, I don't know if this will be out actually before then. Yeah, it should. Be. Yeah, it should be. Um, then, yeah, hopefully that gets the word out there. Um, but to shout out another founder that I work with, um, if you're looking for a venue, he runs a platform to find venues for that kind of thing. So I can I can share that with you. Um, what's, what's his name? Because maybe I already spoke to him. Uh, Gabriel. Um, let me check. yeah he runs the platform Tuti. i think vish knows him um and so it's a good it's a good platform for finding spaces for things like corporate events and creative you know like music and all kinds of things like that so uh, so check that out but I will, um, I will check because i actually did speak to someone at the event that's why i thought maybe you were talking about this oh okay event. no he wasn't there that, that, that he was away okay. then. No, 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 but, um, someone else yeah but it's a good platform to use i literally just go on there and search what you're and you can be very specific with your requirements as well and it will give you um so a lot of uh, the the spaces on there are for filming you know and things like that so mm -hmm. it can be useful but um but yeah that's a really interesting idea though um i i like the idea of putting putting the uh putting the the, the investors on under the spotlight there but i also really like that at the event as well that there was a lot of support for the founders that were going up and pitching uh, a lot of them for the first time mm -hmm. and, I, and and I, I don't know if it was you or someone else i overheard say to them hey i think it was you and you were saying like you know it's okay you just need to keep doing it like just keep practice and i think that's a really like underrated bit of advice when it comes to pitching anything let alone to founders is you're not going to be very good at it to start off with Oh, definitely. Like, you know. It's interesting that uh, this founder, the one that uh, you're talking about, mm. uh, he then posted on LinkedIn 
couple of days and look after them and how he fucked everything up. Yeah. And uh, I met him a few times previously. And uh, I mean, it's kind of like, again, it sucks when we have such a high expectation from ourselves. Mm. And uh, reality is, I mean, that's why I see this kind of events as practice rather than a way to get an investor. Because yeah. when you go to any of these pitching events, unless they are very specific in terms of the industry, then you have a chance, maybe. Mm. But yeah. if you're going to something generic, uh, the chances are you're not gonna get any, you know, like any investors from there. But so just if, use it as experience. Or exactly. Practice. Yeah. You know, like just as a practice, you never know who is in the room. You never know who mm. can introduce you to, you know, like whoever. And yeah. that's why uh, I myself got quite frustrated with uh, quite a few events happening in London where you can pitch and you have to pay for it. Mm. And uh, they claim they have investors in the room, and uh, mm. then you talk to people in the room, and there is literally you know, like zero investors. Mm. And now doing this myself, I understand that it's kind of like I mean, it's normal that you have more founders than investors, kind of like you know, like it's absolutely fine. Mm. Uh, but I personally think it's unfair to make founders for this mm. and especially kind of like at the early stage when a lot of founders like simply bloody broke oh yeah yes yeah. no uh, i agree i agree i mean unless you're giving something in return for that if it's not if it's not for investors to be present then at the very least some very well structured feedback yeah. you know some sort of um workshop you know something to improve the pitch or, or the deck exactly. or something but if you're just literally getting people up on stage and taking their money, then yeah, that's that's pretty. Um... I paid. Uh, this event was. Uh, I think I paid two hundred fifty pounds for wow. like three minutes. And that's not cheap. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't. And I remember I was asking people in terms of the feedback, and uh, mm. not many people uh, tried to pitch there before, so no one could really know, like, tell me anything. But then one of my friends. Uh, she went there before and she just literally, you know, like tell me that uh, just see this, see this as a practice. Mm. And back then I thought it was normal to pay for practice 250 pounds. Mm. And uh, when I had this idea to create my own events, initial idea was to give opportunity to founders to pitch because come on, 250 pounds to like for like a few minutes, mm. literally, I mean, it's, it's, it's just nonsense, but, uh, yeah. I mean, it's business and I kind of like, you know, like I get it. And obviously like if people are paying for this, it means that they are, but it's, but it's, but it's, it's wrong, isn't it? I mean, it's broken. Um, but yeah, I mean, people like you and others are, are changing that, which is good, but you're right. I mean, it's at 250 quid to practice something. I mean, Jesus Christ, you could do that with your friends and family. You know what I mean? Like what, why, why spend 250 pounds? So if, especially like you said, if you're not getting actually mm -hmm. any constructive feedback or, or practical steps to improve, if it's just go up, fail, leave, like, you know, and, and it, you probably feel pretty shit afterwards as well. Oh, like exactly. it, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just, yeah, 250 quid for three minutes. I mean, yeah, the, the brothels do better than that. They make you feel better for 250 pounds. <laughs> yeah, 60 minutes, I think. I don't know. I've never been tired. Anyway, let's change subject. Um, <laughs> by the way, who's that in the background? Oh, it's one of my dogs. Oh, one. Wow. Okay. I have, I have two. Oh, beautiful! What? What? Uh, here's her name. Uh, so uh, this one is Maggie. Right. Uh, they're both uh, Shiba Inus. 
right it's uh, like a Jap japanese japanese breed and i have another one somewhere uh white one his name's chucky yeah so like the like the cryptocurrency yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's how people know this that's breed. how people know him. yeah yeah well, i've got a german shepherd somewhere i have no idea where he is <laughs> He's massive, and I've lost him. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I never used to be a dog person. Uh, I also used to be a cat person. Though I got converted over the years. They're beautiful animals. So so. He went to the vets yesterday. He had to get um like a, a, a put to sleep to have some tests done on his ears. So all day yesterday, when he came back, he was just like, like Oh yeah, I know it. Like, what's going on? And he just we would I would look at him, and he'd just be standing in the garden, just staring at his bone. Like that for ages. <laughs> You're just out of it. <laughs> Bless him. Um, like you know, like the same, the, the same with me. I was actually against like any animals. Oh really? Simply because uh, when I was growing up, I had literally everything from you know, like parrots, turtles, uh, snakes, lizards. Oh wow! Dogs. Like I think my parents were quite open-minded with uh, this. So that's why you know, like, yeah. quite a bit of experience. I know how. Uh, much responsibility it is to actually have an animal so that's why when my partner initially came up with an idea oh you know like i want to have a dog and i was like no because i knew that it would eventually be my responsibility mm -hmm. but, uh, <laughs> so we got the first one this one mm -hmm. i obviously like fell in love with her from like bloody day one <laughs> and of course it became our responsibility uh year later we got the second one mm -hmm. And uh, now I have just you know, like two dogs considering that I was actually against them. That's <laughs> funny, isn't it? Yeah. And that's the thing I'm considering us getting another as well. It's just ridiculous. Don't. Yeah. don't, don't. <laughs> yeah. Are you well, are you considering getting any more? Oh uh, no. No, I mean like since we have two now, you know, like I would I I would like if we if we had a house, I think mm -hmm. I would definitely get get another one. You yeah. know, like you know, like if you have a house, if you have a space. Yeah. But uh in London it's a little bit uh, obviously you know like complicated in terms of you know like going somewhere. And uh uh now I also realize that I think as with children you can get lucky or you can get unlucky. So yeah. like this one, <laughs> yeah, like she's she's just perfection in terms of her behavior, everything else. Uh, mm. but uh the boy that we got oh my god literally we decided to call him chucky after this uh you know like this character in this like horror movies well, the, the doll yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so he definitely <laughs> lift up to his to this name <laughs> where's he going around in the middle of the night with like i was <laughs> like no it's like everything like uh so on his first birthday we had uh warrant from the police because he was going through puberty and uh boys are you know like getting yeah, yeah. aggressive and uh he had a fight with this dog and the dog was fine but uh unfortunately the owner decided to se separate two fighting dogs with her bare hands oh. and uh she was she like she got bitten yeah it wasn't much but she reported us to police it was yeah. a bloody super stressful experience oh but, God, you should know what to expect you're going to put your hands between two but fighting you dogs. see this that's what i was thinking especially yeah. if, as a dog owner yeah, you should never do that. Everyone exactly, knows. but yeah. I mean, like it is what it is. Literally, yeah. on his birthday, we had police knocking, like four police officers, and they were looking at him because he's like small, super mm. friendly, and uh, this one was barking at them, and uh, so they 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 thought that she was aggressive one, 
Right. The one who actually did create all the drama, he was like also fluffy and nice. <laughs> he knew. He knew. He was manipulating the situation. I like, mean, nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, but it was, yeah, I think like, you know, like, obviously, like now it is what it is. And, you know, like, I'm quite happy. Wouldn't change it for a word. But, yeah. but if I knew everything that we had to go through, mm. I probably would have said no properly right from the beginning <laughs> yeah it's the funny thing isn't it it's like ignorance is bliss like I, I spoke about this with someone else on this show not too long ago about like if if you knew everything that was involved in running a business or like being a parent and like all these other major decisions would you do it and the answer was like no absolutely not and and like that's that's some part of like why it's good to do these things going in blind is while it's great to have people mm -hmm. say, hey, you know, you got to, you, have you planned for this? Have you done that? Have you done this? Sometimes that just scares people away from doing things. It's better to just be like, yeah, just go for it and see what happens. Come to me yeah. when you've fucked up. <laughs> you know? You know, like 100% agree, because even with uh, my journey so far as a founder, uh, like I love it. Like I honestly, like, you know, like since I left my full time job, I feel like I'm just living my life. Like seriously, like every single day, I'm just bloody happy to do what I do. And of course, it gets very stressful and uh, you do run always closely, you know, like on the edge of burnout. Mm -hmm. But in terms of experience, bloody, you know, like so rewarding. But if I knew all of this, I, I mean, there is a chance that I would be like, you know. Yeah, 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 absolutely it's uh yeah that's why i think there's both a it's really great that we are in a situation in the startup ecosystem where there's so much information available to help to help you know entrepreneurs and, and budding founders get started but at the same time it can be very overwhelming it's too much exactly no 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 because yeah. also like you know like you don't know what information is reliable what's not and yeah. also uh, another thing to remember that uh people do talk about their personal experience personal mm. experience is personal experience obviously like it's only related to this specific individual and just because something happened to them it doesn't mean that uh you would be going like through the same the right. same for example yeah. when it comes to like solving specific problems or like go to market strategies whatever mm. things do work differently for different people and that's mm. why I think if you don't really you know like understand that you need to look at everything from this perspective you can be like literally like limited with a lot of things uh i was reading the book recently and uh this book was describing this experiment with uh fleas so pretty mm. much if you take a jar you put fleas inside fleas like jump mm. very high and uh, uh you cover this jar with a glass ceiling uh very quickly fleece will adjust uh the height that they mm. jump so they don't hit the ceiling but then if you remove this ceiling they will just keep jumping without getting out of the jar and mm -hmm. i think this is uh kind of like representation of experiences especially mm. bad experiences you know like something would happen and then you wouldn't try this again because you have this, I know, like illusion that's, you know, like it would never work. And yeah. I think you become risk averse. Exactly. So, yeah. And that's why also, you know, like, you know, like relying on a lot of information out there, especially like, you know, like negative information, it mm. can just, you know, like simply limit you in terms of, I know, like, you know, like opportunities. Just mm. to give you an example specifically about the event, when I had this 
uh, initial idea. I actually started this before the whole networking event for founders and investors. Uh, I started my uh, fundraising uh, in kind of like in like February. Mm. And uh, I spent uh, the entire May, uh, or oh, sorry, January, uh, building target list of investors and like for myself. And idea was to get all these investors uh, to the event where I will be presenting myself. Mm. And uh, kind of like do a pitching event, but specifically, you know, like about, you know, like about myself. And I had a uh, few speakers from the industry, kind of like, you know, like big names to kind of like set up the scene and talk about the problem that I'm solving. And uh, uh, that was my first experiment. I didn't get as many people involved in networking events. Mm. Like, we had, you know, like 500 people registered, I had like, you know, like 50. It was uh, like pretty good event, but I had zero money. Mm. And uh, when I had this idea, literally every single person I spoke to told me that you just need to give up. There is no chance you will be able to find venue in the center, uh, which would uh, let you to use them for free. Mm. And uh, I was like, you know what, fuck this. I literally mm -hmm. went to Green Park. I spent about five hours walking around looking for the venue, for the venue that I thought would benefit from me bringing people to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one that I settled on was uh, John Juice by Green Park. And I don't know if you've been there before. They have a pretty cool uh, lower ground kind of like startup theme and in the evenings during the week they're empty because right. they only relying on people who actually work there and mm. uh, they let me to use it for free because obviously like they were getting sales and all the coffee and whatnot and mm. uh, and that again gave me an idea in terms of how else I can do you know like when I when I started thinking about these events like mm. I spent zero money on this and yeah. uh, not only that I didn't pay for the venue I got uh sponsorship i had all the support from you know like volunteers like you know like like mm. yourself who literally just you know like came to help out and so every single time i do these events i have you know like more and more people eager to join to help and it's mm. like it's amazing because again i didn't even think about this and before everyone was telling me it was bloody impossible yeah, there's a fine line, isn't there, between a fine line, sorry, between confidence and insanity. I think like this, there has to be a certain thing in you that just goes like, like you said, like fuck him, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. Now I remember that reminded me of something years and years ago when I, I used to work in pubs and stuff back in the day, and I remember years and years ago, my manager at this pub, um, I had this idea of like, let's do a a Christmas raffle for you know, obviously Christmas time. Um, we'll get like all the local businesses involved. We'll get them to donate something of theirs. Um, and, you know, it'll be this big thing and people will pay for it, you know, because of the business was kind of struggling a bit at the time. Um, so this was way before I'd even started consulting in that sector. This was like one of the, the things that started me off in a way. Um, and it was like, there's no point. It's a waste of time. You know, no one's going to give you anything. Everyone wants something. You'll have to pay for it. And it's never. I ended up going around to local businesses and securing easily around £2,000 worth of stuff. Free stuff. Like I, I was given a free guitar, electric guitar, by a music shop worth 250 pounds. Like they were just like, yeah, have it. I'm like, you know, it just, just confidence and just asking, mm. right? Just having the balls to go out there and be like, hey, do you want to do this thing? And, you know, yeah, maybe some level of, um, of, 
of skill in terms of communication. I mean, you know, I think that helps. You know, you can't go and just sort of uh, sound like a bumbling idiot. But at the same time, like, I think just the first step is just actually believing that you can do the thing, right? That's the first step, you know? Exactly, just like not being afraid of getting a no and like, you know, like being embarrassed. Right. And that's the key is not being afraid to just hear a no. Yeah, yeah, because you will hear lots and lots of notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And to be honest, like, even, uh, like, just, you know, like, thinking about this, you know, like, myself personally, like, I, even though I think I did so many things in my life, I will, like, I got so many things in my life just doing things, you know, like, differently. Mm. And uh, you kind of think that uh, maybe I will be immune to feeling bad about like i don't know like hearing no and from like you know like literally like stopping myself from doing something but reality is you know like i had to deal with this like you know, all the bloody time like mm. for example uh last year when we had to pivot from b2c to b2b uh one of the things that i was definitely pushing and pushing and pushing away from myself was doing the proper market research and right. like normally you know like according to uh y combinator you build the product when you have the problem and when you have you know like verification of this problem like doing the market research in the ideal world yeah in the, in the <laughs> ideal world exactly yeah and uh kind of like again makes sense not mm. always but kind of like you know, like makes sense mm. and uh i was honestly you know like i was afraid I was afraid that I will start talking to companies, uh, companies that don't know me, and uh, they will just tell me that, you know, like, no one gives a shit. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually I ran out of options and I actually started doing this. And I was like, and I got, you know, like, very positive feedback. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck, you know, like, I should have done this one, like, much earlier. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the same right now, uh, like, we have MVP ready. And, uh, a few investors I spoke to was, you know, like they asked me the question, you know, like, why didn't you, you know, like test this? Why didn't you do like any pilots? And uh, there is one excuse that I was using as kind of like, you know, like com it's like complexity of a solution that I built, not mm -hmm. the complexity in terms of technology, but uh, what we have is connected to like real life people. We have mm -hmm. like real life, you know, like wellness professionals. And when it comes to B2B, there is expectation of, you know, customer service. So in order for me to launch this in terms of testing, I need to have, you know, like other people on board to actually, I know, like to help me out on this. Yeah, like, to deliver it. Kind of exactly. Yeah. You know, like technology is there, website is there, instructors are there, but everything else, apart from myself, there is like nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, for a while, I think I was just, you know, like using this as an excuse, but uh, I think I had to hear this feedback enough times to actually understand that i actually you know like need to do something and uh, i was talking to one investor in barcelona a couple of weeks ago and he they mean they do invest at uh pre-seed and uh i was introduced to him by you know a mutual friend and we went for a walk and he was like you know, like i'm gonna be honest with you that uh i looked at i know like at look at what you guys have and uh, considering the environment right now there is no chance we will even even consider you without no like seeing attraction. And he was like, well, like you can tell me whatever you want in terms of if it's like you know like B two B blah 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 and this and this and you know, all like the, we spoke to 
company with a similar concept, but kind of like on the coaching side in the US. Yeah. And uh, they managed to get, I don't know, like Facebook or whatever, you know, like for pilot. And he was like, of course, you know, like things in, like it's not easy, but, uh, but it can be done. It can yeah. be done. And he was like, you know, like you need to figure out the way how you can test this. It's not going to be whatever you're building. And like it might cost you, you know, like some money, but you need to show something to investors to actually prove at least a little bit. If it was like a few mm -hmm. years ago, maybe you would be able to get investment, you know, like without yeah. you know, like proving this. But right now the market is a bit different, and uh, you need to position yourself right. And I obviously like wasn't happy with this feedback. I left this conversation. I was like, "Fuck you! I will, <laughs> I will get the money, you know, like without this, blah blah blah." Mm -hmm. But uh, on the way back, uh, when I was on the plane, I kind of like, you know, like kept thinking about this because I was like, fuck, you know, like, how do you actually do this? Mm. And I realized that there is a way. And the only reason why I think I actually didn't do this earlier, that in theory, you know, like I was afraid that if mm. why we actually launch this, not in the way that uh, it is intended to be, mm. that I would, I don't know, like, I would get a no and people would say that you know what you're what you're working on has like like zero value yeah but or, the, or you're not like you're not launching a version of it that you would imagined you would you it's right. like a lesser a lesser version of it and your vision is this thing and suddenly you're being forced to to launch this thing and i get that that happens all the time doesn't it i mean you know when we speak to founders you know a large part like, to, to to plug a little bit of what i do as a commercial advisor that a lot of what i do is is tempering expectations mm -hmm. really you know and it's and, and and with those early stages especially you know they're talking about oh we want to do this and we want to do you know we want to we want to you know sell to these people and these people. okay great you're not going to, you're not going for a long time so bring back the expectations and and you know start small start here it doesn't have to be like not tiny but you know just bring them back to to, mm -hmm. to, to, to re, you know realistic place so it's great to, to see that you came to that realization yourself with a bit of yeah like it's, it's, it's hard <laughs> bit, bitter pill to swallow but but it's good yeah, yeah. it's kind of i think like for me one of my internal motivators was the fact that i realized that i was actually afraid of it Right, and right. I, that's why you know it was like again the same with like my previous experience. I was like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm not gonna mm -hmm. let my fear to stop me from you know, like where you know, like where I need to be. And uh, two hours on the plane or however long, long it was, and you know, like I did come up with a plan how I can launch this, how I can do this in the way that I can manage this myself, mm. but uh, get something meaningful as a result. You know, like to prove that what we're working on has you know like uh, this. Uh, you know, like metrics that uh, yeah. we, you know, like we're talking about. So I'm talking to a few companies uh, this week and one investor I spoke to yesterday already introduced me to one company who is happy to actually do this pilot with me and pay for it. Mm. And it literally was, and again, going back to events, it's all happened from this event. I bet someone yeah. there and uh, things just happen. And, uh, but it's just funny because I think like in life we'll go through this that uh, the fear itself is much bigger than the reality, and it's mm. just like you know, like stops us from doing things that can potentially you know, like lead to some success. Yeah, yeah. Well, it stops you from even starting in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's funny you mentioned that you sort of came to this realization on a plane. 
as well because of that i think that for me highlights the importance as well of like you said as a founder it's 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 100 miles an hour it's you know being this close to burnout all the time and a lot of founders don't take the opportunity to decompress and some of the best ideas for work happen when you're not working right some of the from some of the mo mo best moments of clarity actually happen when you step away and you decompress a little bit and you just you unplug a little bit and uh and, and yeah, that's when I find some of the best time, you know, ideas come to my head or the problem that I've been trying to solve for the longest time that I'm unable to, to find a solution for suddenly comes to me. Um, but you, I think you need to distance yourself from mm -hmm. it, you know, which again, like not to keep bringing it back to me, but again, it's why it is, I think, good as well for people like me to be sometimes involved because there's, you know, an, an extra pair of eyes, someone who's not emotionally as invested yeah. in the situation or going to these kinds of events, speaking to people, getting their opinions. Um, and, and really just getting a, a second opinion or a third opinion on things, I think is really important, you know. Um, but but you were saying about this pilot then. So so what does the pilot entail? Because, if, if, you know, there might potentially be businesses listening. So so it could be, you know, is it, is it open to, to, to any business or are there specific criteria and, and what I mean, does it involve? Like I was obviously like thinking about the pilots uh, in the sense of what I can manage myself without, you know, like hiring people. Right and uh without you know like any 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 investment something taken again just like that i can do myself mm -hmm. and uh i think i can manage a team of people of i don't know like in terms of the users like 20 to 30 users mm -hmm. uh, from one company and uh so we can launch this for one month in terms of anything in terms of the content that we have on the platform just to give you an idea so our idea in terms of the business kind of like you know like and what we're trying to solve uh corporate wellness it's like a huge problem you know like uh especially post-covid i mean to be honest like you know like it did, it did exist before but i think companies only started taking this seriously or talking about this uh after you know like we got back from COVID with uh like there are like very horrible statistics published by deloitte last year uh, seven out of ten employees experience signs of burnout. Uh, two out of ten employees leave to reasons related to poor mental health. Mm. And uh, uh, in the UK only, uh, the poor management of employee health costs UK employers up to £56 billion per year. So it's wow. like, I think it's like 1.2 or 1.3% of uh, GDP. It's like, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, companies are aware and uh, post-COVID, quite a few companies started offering uh, wellness uh, benefits as part as, I don't know, like normal expected things like, you know, like health insurance, dental insurance. Mm -hmm. And uh, companies in the UK spent anywhere between £150 to £1,200 per employee per year when it comes to uh, you know, like uh, wellness benefits. Mm -hmm. So it's quite a bit of money. Obviously, like huge market. You know, like the problem is there. Not surprising that there are so many solutions uh, on the market, and uh, quite a few of the solutions they actually came from the B2C concept. Like, for example, uh, Headspace or Calm. Uh, they, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with these companies, but it's kind mm. of like meditation applications. Amazing yeah. at what they do, but uh, because they are specifically created to solve specific problems of specific demographics uh it's okay when it comes to b2c because you can target your you know like 
go-to-market campaign to get to these people who it's relevant for. Mm -hmm. But uh, when it comes to B2B, it's a little bit different because uh, when it, uh, if we're talking about company with 100 plus employees, wellness means different things for different people. Different mm -hmm. people have different, you know, like expectations, availability to speak different languages. Someone doesn't give a crap about meditation and wouldn't mm -hmm. try it regardless of whatever you tell them. So in this case, reality of uh, a lot of the services on the market is the fact they have very low adoption rates. Mm -hmm. I had an interview with uh, Deloitte end of last year. And uh, all of the employees in the UK have access to headspace of, as part of the benefits. Mm -hmm. And so I think they have like 30,000 plus employees in the UK. Adoption rate is uh, below 5%. Wow. And this is, means companies paying for everyone. 5% mm. of people actually using this. And uh, I initially thought it was just kind of like one-off, but uh, going to conferences going to events where i see kind of like you know, like my competitors uh you know like pitching themselves and this number five percent comes over and over and over again and this is considered to be good adoption and i think it is a good adoption if we're talking about something specific but mm. uh what uh, if we're talking about like you know like efficiency of these solutions for businesses it's not efficient and so well, no because because if, if that was five percent with any other tool in your business tech stack you would be furious exactly yeah and for companies to to like address this problem in reality they need to have a combination of solutions you know like mm. let's say, i don't like gym pass for people who actually do want to go to the gym and you know, like people to do meditation something to cover the topic of i don't know like you know like menopause and uh, obviously, like for businesses, it is just gets you know like very expensive. That's why uh, some companies have money. Obviously, they do have like options, but uh, most of these companies they would sign up to the likes of Headspace, and they would just simply claim that oh, you know, like we have you know, like amazing you know like wellness benefits. Mm -hmm. And on the paper, it does look like you know like you do have access, but individually, you know, like you know, like you might not care. So, understanding this problem, uh, we came up with a solution, and uh, solution is pretty much give people what they want and uh when they want it uh when we initially started this platform uh we started this also as a b2c so it was supposed to be b2c marketplace for anything wellness related mm -hmm. and uh we run this for a year and as a result we had about 300 plus uh wellness professionals globally coming to our platform and uh these people teach anything from I don't know, like basic things like yoga, meditation to kickboxing, time massage. And uh, they're all based in uh, different countries, so different time zones. They speak different languages. And uh, the reason why they initially came to our platform is to solve their own problem, as uh, their problem is the fact that uh, it's very difficult for this kind of like you know like individuals to get customers online or like post-COVID because they were forced to move out of the studios online and uh there is a big market online but for anyone's professional say like yoga instructor in order for them to succeed online they need to understand marketing they need to have some kind of website mm -hmm. some kind of system to accept this booking streaming whatever majority of these people they are not technical they decided to do this because they're passionate about like you know, like teaching and uh, that's why 
they are forced online. There are quite a few services that can uh, help them to like list their classes, run the classes, but they still have to find their own customers. And yeah. 99% of them don't have customers. So that's why they came to us. We couldn't get investment to get them customers. And that's when I realized that realistically, all these people want is to get this like uh, flow of users who actually would be using the services. And realistically, they would be happy to teach whatever you want them to teach. Obviously, if this uh, meets, you know, like their qualifications and time zones and whatever, as long as they know that someone actually would be consuming this content. So that's what we went to companies with. And uh, there is a research that uh, suggests uh, that the combination of uh, bespoke content that kind of like is created specifically like for you based on your requirements combined with uh, live interaction uh, leads to better engagement and uh, loyalty. Obviously, like right now, because we haven't launched this, I can't prove this, but that's kind of, you know, like uh, one of the reasons you know, like for the pilot to prove that this yeah. concept where the content is created because someone requested this not because someone decided that this like yoga class needs to run specifically you know like at this time mm. but you individually let's say you want to do this kickboxing class on like every friday 5 a.m new york time and you want it to be in spanish and mm. uh there is more likelihood that you will join this class because again, like, you know, like it is actually worth creating based on your requirements. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of like, you know, like that's the idea. You're not, you're not trying to make it to something or force yourself to, to something that isn't quite right for yeah. you, I mean, which you in, know, in of itself can create additional anxiety, right? Exactly. That feeling of, course, of like, oh, I should go to that thing and I feel bad for not going and yeah. And this because also kind of like uh, from, as a result of all my, you know, like interviews last year when I was doing this market research, that's when I also realized again why a lot of these solutions have such a low adoption rate obviously like running live classes i mean it's not a rocket science there is you know like there is nothing new but hmm. what a lot of companies offering it's like example for for example my previous employer we would have uh yoga meditation classes i don't know, like monday wednesday 1 p.m hmm. london time and that's why no one was actually you know like going there simply because you might actually want to go but priorities change you have a meeting i don't know like 1 p.m london time in new york it's not you know like it's not 1 p.m anymore and that's why uh like things change all the time but solutions are not flexible and yes. that's why there is like you no know, like zero surprise. It's not that this doesn't work. It's just like the way it's structured is not working. And mm -hmm. reality with a lot of companies is the fact that uh, regardless of what companies actually say, the main priority is actually generating the revenue. And mm -hmm. uh, that's why also like this flexibility is like it just has to be there. Like mm -hmm. I personally think that. Uh, like the future of corporate wellness is this and you know, all like it needs to be bespoke mm. and otherwise again companies will be realizing very quickly that they are you know like they're losing money and mm. uh, they're getting you know, like anything in return, in return there is like zero return on their investment and uh, also like i was talking to another investor uh last week and they have uh it's uh angel syndicate and uh they 
really liked uh, what I'm doing and the way I'm approaching this. But uh, the guy was like, realistically, I don't think I would be able to introduce it to investors because we did invest in a couple of similar solutions and uh, they are struggling. And they're struggling with this adoption. And of course, he didn't tell me exactly, you know, like what they are and what they do. But uh, I'm pretty sure it's like, it's something specific. And again, mm. specific does work. Mm. But for maybe, I don't know, like B2C, because it's easier to target your marketing and uh, you can actually get the users who would benefit from this. Right. Not just that, but also, I mean, it, you know, it, as we know, the climate is tough right now. And if you're a business and you're going through, you know, as your the CFO is going through your list of expenses, expenditures as a business, you're going to look at those things that, that has seemingly the lowest positive impact on the exactly. business. Right. So if you're saying there's a 5% adoption rate for most of these solutions, well, that's the first to go. Right. I mean, it's, it's a it's a no brainer. If it's something that clearly is being adopted by many of the, the employees, um, you can clearly determine what well, it's having a net positive effect on the business. So therefore, it's worth the investment. So it's, it's not it's not rocket science to see why that's so difficult and why these other businesses are probably failing, you know, not failing, but struggling um, because they're probably losing business left and right. They're probably losing cat contracts everywhere because it's, there's not a strong enough lock in. Exactly. Um, so that's, that's no surprise. But what you mentioned there about the, the need for something flexible and bespoke is it makes sense because of that is the direction that a lot of um, sort of corporate arrangements are going in a way, isn't it? Is, you know, a lot more autonomy being given to employees to decide where they're working from, their own working hours, their own working weeks. There's a lot more of that happening. Not not everywhere, but but generally speaking, we're seeing a lot more of that. And I think, like you said, because it is a lot to do with COVID, there's been a recognition that actually employees tend to be far more productive and happy when they are able to, you know, be trusted to do their work and execute it in a way that suits them. So if they're able to, to navigate their own lives in that way, um, that's great. But also the big problem with that is that people tend to overwork. Right. So um, so you need something to offset that and to encourage them to to, you know, be, take be, be be mindful of their own wellness and, and things. So if you're doing something and providing them something that's equally as flexible, um, mm -hmm. that can kind of click into that, then I think that's a really nice uh, combination of, of solutions that you're providing to your corporate environment. It's sure. also interesting, like, you know, like when on, on the point that people tend to overwork. Uh, when I was, again, uh, interviewing companies for this market research, that's kind of like uh, company culture that's mm. pretty much number one reason why uh, companies don't see this kind of like, you know, like return on investment when it comes to wellness. Because rea mm. reality is if you are expected to work 24-7, it doesn't matter what kind of benefits you have access to, you're not going to have time to actually, you know, like use this. So mm. it's obviously, you know, like this is the problem and it's like the problem is everywhere and it kind of like, you know, like it needs to be addressed, it needs to be solved. Mm. But uh, another interesting thing, or like I come from experience of working in the corporate environment. So mm. uh, my previous employer was uh, S&P uh, Global. And I was doing sales relationship management uh, for the services that SP was providing. And yes. uh, I was specifically on the market data side. And I have all that kind of like my experience of interacting with another business when you are a business uh, in the data environment is different to, I think, like a lot of other sectors for one simple reason. Uh, when it comes to data, like 
it's very difficult to stand out because majority of these companies that do offer the same stuff. I don't know, like mm-hmm. Bloomberg, Thomson Reuters, uh, S&P, Crunchbase, kind of like, you know, like different niches, but it's still, you know, like talking about like, you know, like the same data. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a lot of these uh, services are realistically replaceable. I mean, there is obviously like a pain with like, replacing the service because again like training whatever whatever uh but uh because of this i think a lot of the services they put a lot of effort into actually managing this relationship that's why with snp you know like i had customers who have have been working on you know like four years to get them you know like through renewal you know like onboarding trainings and like all of this stuff because the better they know the product the better they use the product uh i mean it's better for you as a business because there is a bigger chance that you will actually retain the customer uh surprisingly when it comes to corporate wellness it's not the case uh majority of the solutions work in the way anything because they come from b2c concept where uh they just sign you up and the rest is you know like it's just like it's up to you up to you to introduce this Mm. your employees to whatever you know like onboard them and all like whatever i think they, they might provide something but uh everyone i spoke to said there is like zero interaction after and for me again coming from a little bit you know, like a different background i think it's just a no-brainer that you actually need to have someone who will be working with the same you know, like hr person and all like this like mm. committee on like constantly i don't know like either pushing some messages to these people in not but not just messages but i don't know like understanding what these people want working together with hr on their corporate wellness strategy and again helping them also to understand that without changing the corporate culture uh without i don't know like not if you don't do anything about like expectations of people checking or like emails on the weekends accepting calls and all like on endless meetings that this mm. you know like wouldn't you know like this you know like simply just you know like it's just a waste of money yeah uh all the companies i spoke to uh last year literally everyone said this if you had this it would be a huge value add to your service mm. because uh not only you can i don't know like potentially guide them potentially mm-hmm. but uh having experience working with you know like other companies who are doing the same you can also i don't know like share some you know, like best practices in terms of like what is working for like you know like other companies how they did you know like this this and that mm-hmm. and uh again i'm just surprised that these companies that are on the market right now not even you know, like offering any like offer any kind of like you know, like remotely close to this yeah, it's it's interesting you mentioned that because it is something that I talk about a lot actually is this idea of proactive versus reactive customer success. Um, this idea that I think that the, the, what we we should be seeing and, and what I already see is you know and have done for many years of the most successful tech startups are platforms that are, go above and beyond by actually making the human element of their business very proactive in getting in touch with users, encourage them, you know, informing them of new additions, 
um, ensuring that they are continually exploring the platforms that they that they've purchased and and you know that kind of thing right so it's like beyond onboarding it's not just like you know okay this is how you use it you'll set up see you later bye but actually keeping on delivering that value um through you know through that human contact and one thing that i think and i don't think i've said this publicly before but one thing that i um i think is very important for us to think about um, in regards to that is the way that we stru uh, structure our corporate structures um is that they need to change um in fact in order to accommodate for that so i think you know part of that is the expectation of certain roles like in human resources or people managers to actually make uh, to make them understand that their roles um, will require them to be have a lot more interaction with other companies in that capacity and to try and absorb as much as possible and then also be very skilled in then re-communicating that with their team members right and and that may not just be in human resources or people management that could be in a lot of different departments you know in sales in in marketing whatever it might be but in fact the team leaders or managers in those areas will actually need to spend a considerable amount of time every week or every month speaking with their different service providers through you know their SaaS tech stack whatever because of they're going to increase that sort of level of, of proactive output um, and to, to regularly digest it and then create battle cards and kind of go to their teams mm -hmm. and and share that information in a really progressive you know and and you know constructive way and you know maybe these these businesses will be providing a lot of those resources for them that can just to make their lives even easier you know to actually go out and sort of share in their team meetings and things like that um, but I think it's a really important point you raise because of those businesses uh, we've seen for years have always won out like they have. And, and we're just seeing it more niched down now mm -hmm. where it's in more in more sort of specific verticals with, with um, especially within SAS, um, that, that, that that's a winning strategy because you, you shouldn't just be giving people advice on how to use your platform when they encounter a problem. That's too late. That isn't a good customer experience, and that that that's an uh, ineffective customer journey from my perspective. If you are in full control of that customer journey by being proactive at every touch point, and you're the one to get in touch, and you're the one to highlight something new that could be used, a new addition, may, even if it's just to keep them up to date on fixing mm -hmm. bug, bugs or whatever, like that is a proactive, positive customer journey and experience. And I think that's that's a, and when it comes to something like this. You've you've hit the nail on the head because if it requires um, it, it requires continuous engagement and that can only happen through something like a proactive outreach uh, process, right? And I think you're kind of like obviously like I only I'm quite biased in terms of my experience considering that I only worked in the financial sector, mm. but uh, I think like financial services, especially like in the data space, I mean they cracked this because obviously like quite a few huge quite successful companies mm. and uh it's just unfortunately for them every single year it gets like tougher and tougher to retain the customers because mm. products are so easily replaceable and yeah. it literally goes down to this like fine level of relationship mm. and uh, one of my uh, former customers they're one of the uh, biggest private equity firms uh they have been with uh so they canceled our services after I left. Uh, but every single year while I was there, when I was managing them, they renewed the contract. Literally, I'm like, because of me, like, I'm mm. not joking. It's like, yeah, because of all the support and like I gave to uh, this procurement person. And mm. every year we would have a discussion about the renewal. And uh, she knows that 
I need to increase the price. It's uh, that I okay, not increase the price, that I have targeted you know, like a manager. Yeah. I also know that she has some you know, like budget you know, like leeways and every single year it will be like a very simple conversation and mm. for her this uh like very small thing kind of was important and I while I was there you know like they have been you know, like our customers and I have been paying like half a million easily yeah 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 and and, uh, and and the difference there i mean yeah you're essentially talking about you know very deeply entrenched um uh, account management that you're right in in financial sectors generally you know generally in in products where we're talking very large ticket sales right or very large invoices that i mean that makes sense because you, you can employ the people to to do to mm -hmm. do those jobs and account management um and it's a bit more tricky with with lower touch SaaS when you're generally looking at lower subscription levels to justify having an account manager for every single account and to be mm -hmm. proactive and that kind of thing but but um but i guess what the the alternative has been which i you know, I, I, I don't, I don't say is a bad thing, but it's not the same as what we're talking about. Is things like newsletters, right, where people are saying, "Oh, well, we're being proactive. We're reaching out." So, yeah, it's okay. It's, but I mean, how many people read them? I mean, I get so many. Like, you, you don't, you know, oh, we've just released this. We've, we're now doing that. Have you tried using this? People, people don't read them as much as you think, apart from mm -hmm. your hardcore users. Actually, picking up the phone and proactively calling a, a business of yours and, and asking how they're doing and 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 like you said fostering that relationship is is like you said it's worth its weight in gold because for those big contracts especially that's it's it's what they're built on mm -hmm. like, you know it's 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 so true like, i i've been in the same position myself in, in other roles i've had where you know it, i've heard time and time again or even working to try and you know take business from other people you know and and it's just like no i'm sorry but I, you know, I get on very, very well with my account manager. He's a good friend of mine. I would never leave this company that I'm with. Okay, fair enough. There's, you know, it goes a long way. You know, it works both ways. You know, but yeah, you win some, you lose some. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, but it's, um, you know, it's an interesting topic. It's one that I feel very passionate about. But I understand it's, it's, it's a difficult thing because, like I said, there is, you are somewhat limited by how much you charge for your product mm -hmm. you know yeah, i agree like in this sense i completely agree yeah mm, yeah i mean how, how do you envisage that you know set, sitting with that plan for that sort of very human uh touch sitting with your with your revenue model like have you figured that out is that something that you feel like you've got a good handle on yeah it's like i mean like it's definitely it's uh part of my business plan so pretty much yeah. like all the numbers I have in there, they're all well thought through in terms of, you know, like, why do I actually you know, like need this and uh, what these people will do and how many, let's say, like, if you're talking about relationship managers, how many yeah. accounts they will uh, handle. And I kind of like, I completely agree with this point that you raised that uh, I think like SaaS products are, or like, again, depending, but can be limited by kind of like by the ticket size. And I kind mm. of like, makes sense. Uh, I think in my case, my approach even though we are you know like SaaS product my approach to pricing again completely different to what everyone else is doing in the industry and uh this again goes back to my experience with uh smp mm. and uh for smp this experience was also quite new so i came to smp through uh another like one of the acquisitions so uh they acquired the company from the us it was called snl financial and uh, they had this business model where 
access to everything would be unlimited and pretty much the pricing was kind of driven by consumption mm -hmm. and uh, i think these days companies like everyone's struggling with this let's say uh netflix people sharing their login details yeah and yeah. So one person is paying i know like everyone else is using and i think they try to do something about this then they open this up so because it's kind of like like it is it is really really difficult the same mm -hmm. was for the uh data services uh and a lot of the companies did struggle and still struggle with the fact that someone is paying and you know like the access is just you know like uh being shared mm -hmm. and uh snl very early uh decided to step away from this and uh, they would unlimit access to a number of users and whatever whatever and they would literally limit this to pretty much you know like usage and the value that the companies you know like would be getting out of this mm -hmm. so uh when they uh when smp was acquired by snl uh then smp started kind of like you know like employing the same model and all the services mm -hmm. it was so successful that likes of thomson reuters bloomberg copied this from them and again for one maybe because of the competition but also because uh the pricing conversation gets a little bit easier because you're not paying for the users who are not even you know like using your product you mm. are actually paying kind of like you know like for and like you know like what they do with it mm. and uh, i think for businesses in terms of the pricing is a little bit more transparent and more understandable and uh when it comes to service providers uh you also have potentially easier discussions when it comes to price increases at renewal if your you know like usage consumption or like is going up yeah. and so, uh so i intend to use the same model pretty much mm -hmm. so when companies would be signing up to uh my you know like services uh they're not going to be any limit in terms of how many people can use you know how many people can access it uh, they're not going to be any limits in terms of uh how many class webinars they can book but uh, the initial pricing uh would be driven by estimated consumption and the estimated consumption is uh pretty i mean like relatively easy thing to get is pretty much you need to figure out maybe you know, like through like surveys uh how many people in the company would potentially like benefit from you know like or like would want to use the services mm. and uh uh statistically deloitte published this last year uh 46 of employees prefer to use uh digital tools to address the mental health related issues mm. so i mean like kind of like let's say 50 50 50 50 50 percent would prefer to do things in person 50 percent would prefer to do things online uh but obviously like within the companies can be a little bit different and uh so 50 percent the target audience within the company and uh when we are you know like doing the survey uh also immediately get information about uh things that they want and when they want it let's say type of classes so before we launch this this content already would be available you know, like on the platform and you know, like for the users and uh one of the very simple questions is just uh how many classes do you think you will attend per week and mm. like per week i think it's easy i know like one three five because it's not yeah. like per month or per year and then you just like extrapolate this to one year and uh it gives you an estimate of how many bookings 
this company will potentially do and the mm. pricing is pretty much driven by uh this uh, this number at the same mm. time when you sign up the customer uh the price it's like it has like a soft ceiling in terms of consumption mm. so let's say i don't know like we estimated that your team will consume i don't know like thousand classes per year and uh they ended up with 1200 so idea is that you know like within the year there is like no ceiling but when it comes to renewal we would actually look at you know like actual consumption so i don't know like we know last year we estimated this and it like it was this but i think what it does for businesses a it gives a transparency and also like a lot of flexibility you have like new employees and you know, like adding or leaving so it doesn't really affect them you know, like the pricing but also the fact that uh you're not charged for like you know like overconsumption. obviously mm -hmm. like from the point of view of you know like my business idea is to open the doors to everyone so they obviously like would end up consuming more than they initially expect it and yeah i have better reasons to increase you know like the pricing kind of like you know, like next year so that's why again no one is doing this and uh uh even when i was with smp uh with some new customers it will struggle to explain this because mm. it's kind of like it's it's just different uh well that's what i was going to ask you you know for, for, for me like from with a sales and marketing background you know one thing that that um that's always difficult to have a conversation around or to secure a sale in is when there's ambiguity around the price of something that can be a turn off. So how did you how did you tackle that when you were having these discussion, discussions of SMP? So when that's why uh, all the people who I spoke to like uh, last year when I was doing this market research, uh, everyone told me that kind of like makes sense. So it's, that's right. kind of like, it's just different to uh, what other service providers are doing. But uh, with, let's say, again, Headspace, you pay for every single user. Only 5% mm. are actually like using this. Rather than with me, 100 people users will get access to the service, but mm. you only pay for 5% who actually like using the service. And that's kind of like, that's, that's yeah. the difference. So I guess you can still make some, some estimates. So you're not leaving people with nothing, no idea of price. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like you said, you can make that speculation of, you know, on average, X amount of people exactly. will go once a week, et cetera, et cetera. So you can give them a range um, to, to go off of, at least in the, maybe the early stage of the, the discussion. Early, right? 100%. Yeah, yeah. Because that, that's the key, isn't it? If in the early stages, people need to go away and speak to their CFOs and get sign off, they need to at least mm -hmm. have some idea of where it's going to land. Um, yeah, now that makes sense. That's a really interesting model. I mean, um, yeah, I guess the only the only worry though would be if someone you know, let's say you bring them on and they're a team of say fifty, but then over the course of the contract with you, they they grow to like a hundred. Like, would you then sort of get in touch and say, "Hey guys, we just noticed you put another fifty people on. Uh, we're gonna have to." I mean, it. honestly, that's what we did with S and P because right. I understand when there is I don't know, like let's say, uh, 20th, even thirty percent in terms of uh, difference between the initial discussion, but yeah uh for customers who like previously who would like literally like double in size in one year yeah uh we would just go and we'll just literally like like renegotiate the pricing yeah and of course it's not an easy conversation to have obviously but that's why you have sales people and managers to actually you know like uh do this work because again 
it kind of has transparency behind it why specifically uh we're like you know like doubling the price or whatever yeah 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 how, how important a slightly different subject but but not but how important would you say it is for because I've, I've asked a lot of people this and i have very strong opinion, opinions on it myself but for, for yourself how important do you think it is for a founder to have the the, the uh, skill set of sales um as a founder i think super important because i mean realistically I mean, everything is fucking sales. Mm. I mean, like I'm talking to you right now, all I'm doing, I'm just, you know, like selling myself and you know, like what I'm working on. I know like talking to customers, again, like, you know, like sales, talking to new employees, new hires, you know, like you again, like you sell a new business. Yeah. I honestly think it's a number. I mean, it like it is a number one skill. And if mm, you're not person, like if you're not comfortable with like talking to people, uh maybe shouldn't actually you know like you shouldn't do it at all because realistically mm. you know, like you would just simply struggle i don't like talking to you i mean like seriously everything is bloody sales yeah. i used to hate the whole idea of kind of like working as a salesperson mm. uh when uh snl approached me uh 10 years ago the only reason why i agreed on like uh doing the sales job because uh their approach back then was and it's like still like mainly is the same that you only sell the product to people who are actually like interested yeah. so there is kind of like you know like not hard not no hard sell mm. and uh that's the only reason why i actually you know like agreed to try this mm. because i think when we are talking about sales in general uh the main picture that uh, comes to mind it's like you know like someone you know like knocking the door yeah just yeah. tell you shit that you don't care about but they don't stop i know like mm. you close the door they come from the bloody window but that is the main picture people have who don't know who aren't in sales that is what they think and in fact that's really not the case that's a very small amount of sales in, in most sort of in in wild world at least um sales isn't it's not the hard sale it's a consultative sale usually and it is usually coming in trying to solve people's problems mm -hmm. first more than anything else and building relationships that's what it really comes down to isn't it hence everything you said before you know about going out there and having the balls to just you know find that venue or or you know building the relationship with the customer so that they use the your and they renew and they use your platform again and again it's all just relationships that's exactly. all that is being there is something very underrated i think underneath all of this as well which is being likable right which we don't talk about enough but being likable is hugely underrated you know there's a lot of people especially in the, the corporate environment seem to rate you know efficiency and being organized and you know going at 100 miles an hour and all this kind of thing and i think well actually yeah but you also just need to be nice you need to be likable because if people don't like you they're not going to buy anything from you, <laughs> you know? or you're not going to be able to inspire people or rally a team or hire people or get investment like and and i think that's a large part of what sales oh, is 100 you know? so uh since since you mentioned on being likable uh like i did mention to you that wellness professionals struggle to sell anything online for like mm. many reasons and uh obviously there is a difference between going to yoga class in person and mm. uh, doing it online because even though you and i you know like interact live there is still 
this like element missing of you know like us talking and all like you know like in the pub whatever this kind of like yeah. personal yeah because if you go if you go in person to a yoga class everyone's sitting around before you're chatting to exactly them. how's how's the wife doing you know how's this there's yeah and you have the opportunity to be social and be likable exactly and to make a connection beyond just the interaction of the class right and that's why when it comes to life experiences uh this wellness professionals they kind of need to put more effort into this to compensate for the lack of this i don't like personal mm. connection and in all fairness again majority of them struggle simply yeah. because they don't i mean they just don't know they don't know they don't see the difference mm. and uh what i also kind of like you know, came up with uh obviously like again I want to make sure that uh, once we launch that uh, users have a great experience, starting from, I don't know, like onboarding uh, to actually you know, like going to the classes and like enjoying and coming back. And uh, I can control quite a bit, but obviously when people do go to this class, it's something that you know, like is outside of my control. Mm. I cannot have people like policing every single class in terms of the quality. I don't know, do people say hi or not? So again, knowing that there is the problem, uh, I found a solution in the way that uh, I'm planning to partner up with a few professionals in the industry who are like specializing on different things, which I believe are quite important to deliver good quality, whatever. And mm. uh, all of these people, I kind of like met them through like network and I just like talking to them, knowing what they do. I was like, bloody hell, this would be so great for instructors. This mm. would be, I mean, like as basic things as uh, when you are running like life class, that you shouldn't have a bloody dog sleeping on the, you know, the <laughs> Well, do you know it's funny you say that because I was just I was just looking at him because uh, her sorry because she was being so adorable as you were talking. I... <laughs> but this kind of like again like talking about like you know like professionalism and uh, experience, especially when it comes to B two B, when there is a level of expectation. Yeah, uh, yeah. instructors need to show up like they, they need to be likable. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the things, so actually, like, I met this person and uh, she is providing consulting, coaching for the hospitality industry on soft skills. Mm -hmm. And as like, if you think about it, when you go to like, you know, like any hotels, that's, I mean, ideally, and I get that expectation from the management that employees have to be likable. Yeah because that's the only way potentially for you to bring the customer back into this hotel because competition is bloody enormous and it is as you said you know, like you know like likability you know like it is you know like underrated and mm. that's why when i was talking to her completely different sector i was like bloody hell once i once i start running like i want you to do i don't know, like webinar they don't like for instructors mm. or they some like soft skills because in the end of the day it's all about the experience yeah. and if your users you know like come in and they enjoy you they enjoy the picture they enjoy the structure the tone of voice whatever mm. there is a like that big likelihood that you know, like they might they will come back and yeah and and that, that kind of goes to just the success as a whole of uh, for any business owner exactly. whether it's you know just just being being approachable being likable being relatable like there's so much 
to say about that. Um, like that's even to some extent what the motivation is behind me doing these this series, right? And on two levels. So there's the level of from, you know for myself. So you know one way a lot of small business owners, like solo business owners, like instructors or whatever, might get around that that they they only run online uh, classes, so they need to build a a, a bit of a personality online is to use content marketing right so to, to release information to, so that people feel like they know a bit about the person and they understand them we know the importance of that these days to build a personal brand and so that people feel like they know that person that they connect to that person they like the person and then they're more likely to buy from them and that's some sort of to a degree what I'm doing you know for my business with this but also to give that opportunity to the person that's or people that come on my um, on this 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 show as well, because of you know, I'm, my hope is that anyone watching this, whether they are potential customers of yours or maybe potential investors of yours, see more than just a website or a LinkedIn profile mm. or a, or a five minute pitch, but they actually see the person behind the business. And I'm a big believer that that just in the same way that your events have probably created you more opportunities because you have social interaction, not just come to our office and do a ten minute pitch, mm -hmm. you know. That, that 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 it might it might create more of an opportunity there. It puts a personality behind something, and you know, you speak to any investor and ask them like, what is the main thing that you look for when it comes to your investment? They they always say the same thing: the founder. It's down to the founder, the personality of the founder. Do I believe this person can do it? Do you know? Do you, can I see myself working with this person mm -hmm. long term? Like so, it 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 to me, it's a no brainer to do something like this, and for others to to concentrate on that as a skill that you build. You know, um, and that is kind of an extension of sales, you know, because there has to be that conf confidence to go into an unknown interaction and just have a conversation and enjoy it and not come out of it looking too much like an arsehole, you know, <laughs> which I don't always succeed in, but I try. <laughs> I mean, it's all about practice, right? And this yeah, is yeah. kind of like, you know, like talking about, again, like top sales or uh likability obviously like not everyone is born and you know, like amazing salesperson or like yeah, even likable yeah. and so, i think you'd uh, be a good conversationalist ideally but yeah not exactly. everyone has that and i think also again i understand it like you know like people are different and people have also different level of awareness and self-awareness mm. and uh that's why this guy who was doing his like one minute pitch at my last event and kind of like messed up and then was kind of i don't know like you know, like hard you know like on himself i was actually like quite proud of him because mm. i mean like it's again like you need to be self-aware to get better in like sales yeah. yeah and i don't know like even the same you know like likeability like i understand there is like psychology in terms of i don't know like your face but it's a lot about you also you know, like your like your body language how you mm. talk and it comes with practice only if you aware that you actually need to work on this and uh you need you need to get better yeah it's funny i re recorded another one of these earlier today with with two co-founders and we talked at one point about balance and the importance of finding balance in the things that you do and i think we're entering in a similar territory here just like with everything in that yes it's very important to you know and and, and to your point about that guy like with that attitude, I think you can succeed in whatever you put your mind to, right? As long as you're always looking to improve and, and take feedback. But then equally, you also need to be very careful of the trap that you can fall into on the other side of that, of being so overcritical and so um, analytical that in fact, you're not making any real 
meaningful changes. You're just crippling yourself with the anxiety along with not being good enough, always mm -hmm. looking to improve, or trying to approach things from a technical perspective too much too. When we're talking quite often about quite organic things, things that require um, really for you to let go a little bit and to maybe not overanalyze. And, and I think it's just about understanding when that, that takes place. You know, um, I, I watched um, a, quite a powerful music video recently that at the end of it has a bit of a monologue from the artist. Um, it, the, the guy's name is Ren, for anyone who's interested. Hi, Ren is the name of the song. Very powerful song. Um, and I won't go into too much of it. But anyway, the end of this song, he talks about how he, um, he in spoken word, he's talking about how he had a lot of struggles throughout his life and how he, he began to realize as he got older that um, that these things that he was struggling against weren't things to keep trying to fight, but actually to treat it more like a dance. And like when you're dancing, you should relax mm -hmm. and and let your let the kind of music flow through you, as it were, and let the feeling flow through you. Because up to that point, you fought it enough, you've learned enough that actually it's there, it's within you. It, there is an instinctive way to deal with this, and now you need to let your muscle memory kind of take over. And, and you will find it easier because the more tense you are and the more you're overthinking it, the less well you'll perform, essentially. Um, he didn't say it in that many words. He said it much better than me. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, you know, I, I'm not a musician. So. <laughs> but um, not I think, not yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in another life, I was a musician, actually, but that's a whole other topic. But, uh, but um but no, I think there's something important in that because you can, you know, I've seen also people like I, I go on Reddit quite a lot and offer help to young budding entrepreneurs who are like, oh, how can I do this? How can I do that? I don't know where to start. Um, you know, what should I read? What should I watch? What podcasts? And there's there's so much of it. That's just like we said at the beginning, like it's so overwhelming that I think you can end up in this trap of just like, OK, so you're taking notes. So I need to do A, this, B, that. And it's like, OK, yes, there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to plan. But at the same time, if you treat it like it's some sort of exam, you're never going to go into it with that organic, you know, sort of almost, uh, yeah, that organic way of dealing with it. Like you can't go into a conversation having it all planned out uh, in a social setting and for it to come off as natural. Mm -hmm. It won't be. <laughs> that's why scripted sales calls don't work. And that's why this show, I didn't want to sit here with a list of questions. I think that'd be fucking boring. You know what I mean? Like... But, it's more interesting to see real organic behavior you know like i don't know that's just my opinion anyway i don't know would you would you have preferred if i had a, a long no, list of questions no, no. okay good <laughs> i mean either <laughs> i mean to be honest like it's a new experience for me oh really so that's, okay so that's why i kind of like don't have you know like anything to compare it with i'm yeah. actually uh having uh i was invited to talk about networking specifically uh with uh some students or like recent graduates so it's kind right. of like it will be like in two weeks and there there is like list of questions so mm. i will see i will see if there is you know, like any difference but uh, it's kind of like you know i'm enjoying yeah but i mean so i've done um in other scenarios i've done like more structured interviews before of people and i've also been involved in that um, and i've also given talks you know uh, about different topics and workshops and so on but even then you need to make it feel like it's not um, not rigid, right? Mm -hmm. The best kind of speakers that you see on stage or the best interviews you see of famous people or whatever, um, they they flow and there's kind of this, this almost um, effortless feeling to it. 
you know, it is when it comes across as too robotic that we kind of switch off as human beings. We, we feel like something isn't right, that it feels manufactured. Um, so, yeah, I think that it would be an interesting experience for sure. But I think, I, you know, knowing what I know of you, I think mm -hmm. that you'll, you, you will probably take that and very and, and make the answer, as long as you don't give one word answers to the questions you know and i'm sure they won't yeah. ask them <laughs> yes that's correct next question please do that maybe just to troll them at the beginning and see what happens but i also imagine the interviewer isn't going to just sit down and go obviously nice to meet you so the first question on my list is this <laughs> right you know because that that would be fucking boring expect nothing yeah 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 exactly <laughs> But um, yeah, it's it's it. But but to bring it back to the to the sales thing, um, I I've spoken about that a lot, and I I'm very passionate about that one. And it's um it's incredible though how many people think that they uh, because they don't have a sales background mm -hmm. um, that that they can't make it, and and also that, that to some extent it's true. But I guess why I think I'm quite keen to break this down beyond sales is because it's not so much just about sales it's it's you don't need to have done sales i think to be successful it's more the the, the elements that sales requires you to have of conversationality exactly. likability and so on if you've got that then basically you're doing sales like like you said it's not the guy knocking on your door it's not the car salesman it's not that kind of stuff it's just the ability to to not take it personally when you can hear a no mm -hmm. and and to keep trying to find the yeses really isn't it yeah no, that's interesting. So, um, what's the next stages for for um, uh, obviously you've got the uh, the pilots that you you're hoping to set up. Um, what what else is kind of on the horizon? Uh, this I is mean, a, this is a structured question. I it's mean, almost the, like I wrote this down or something. I didn't. I just came up with it just now because I'm okay. that good. Um, okay, I'm not, not going to question it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, like right now right yeah. now is to like i'm still talking to investors right i'm still hopeful that i will find an investor who would be willing to take a risk on me before i do you know like all of this all simply pilots, because yeah. i would be able to launch quicker get mm -hmm. someone like quicker but anyway like it is what it is the market and you know, like as it is right now and uh it doesn't mean that I'm, I will stop talking to investors, mm. uh, but uh, kind of yeah, I decided that I just need to you know like concentrate on getting this, getting this over with. Honestly, like one of the reasons why I'm actually quite excited about this as well, I want to prove to myself that this concept is working. That it's not just my imagination. That yeah. it's not yeah. just this like research I found. It's not my whatever. You know like biased understanding you know like of the market i want mm. to prove this to myself that you know like it is actually you know like what it is and i think this will also help me to be more confident in terms of you know like when i do talk about this so i don't need to refer to this bloody you know like there is like research available on yeah. this and this but i can it's, it's less theoretical and it's more exactly practical. and yeah. i can say exactly you know like this is what the industry standard is you know like we managed to achieve this in one month without any money on this number of people yeah just think what i can do if i actually you know, like have any like any support on this so that's yeah. what it's, but uh since it's right now pretty much me myself myself and i and i have like one developer who is like helping me to fix things when they get broken but i kind of like don't count him on this part mm -hmm. uh this will be like 
handful you know like once especially you know like before we launch once it launch and obviously like want to make sure that within this month of uh pilot i can get as much data as I can, and also can give as much as I can to the users mm. to bring this as close as possible to the level of experience they would be getting kind of like in real life when we actually like when we actually launch this. Mm. Like it is scary. Like I'm not gonna lie, it is scary. Like I think the same when I had to you know like with this like in you know, like market research with interviews. Mm. Uh but uh I'm quite confident that you know, like we'll get there. That's how we Yeah, and the thing is, like, what well, I'm a huge fan of, 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 of founders coming to terms with and embracing the bootstrapped process um, of launching an MVP to market. Because I think, you know, for all of the benefits that you mentioned, um, but also, you know, just like early on, mistakes happen. And if they happen and it's at your expense, that's one thing. But if it happens at the expense of someone else's money, that's an entirely different thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, it can, it can be quite crushing and, and stressful to, to experience that. So if you can go through those mistakes early on and 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 refine it before you're then going to an investor, and you can say, especially like, you know, we did X, Y, and Z. We've got this level of traction. We've proven our thesis to be correct, and we also made a ton of mistakes, and we've learned from them. And now with your money we can accelerate the solution even further um i, I think that's such a good offering but it's um yeah it, it, it's funny because over the last few years my advice that i've been giving has changed so a lot of advice was to early stage founders pre you know looking for pre-seed funding who were going out for investment before they had launched anything to market it was really concept stage uh, or you know very early mvp stage um but no no users no traction and like you said, back then, that would probably get investment. So the advice I was giving was very different. It was mm -hmm. refining the pitch, just refining the business model and, you know, go to market proposals you know, for the strategy, et cetera. Now it is a lot more focused on how can we get some early adopters? And in all honesty, like, I don't know if this is maybe useful for you to hear or anyone else listening in the same stage, but ev for every business that's out there, there is there are potential customers who are happy to a a and b get not the full solution yet mm -hmm. like that that's a fact and it sounds surprising but there are people out there businesses or individuals out there who are happy to pay for something that at least partially fixes that problem because it's better than not having it fixed at all and especially if they can be involved in shaping what's mm -hmm. to come you know and you can you can bring in that sort of community of early adopters to to do that like that's hugely valuable for people. There are those people out there just need to go and find them. Question exactly you know, how yeah. to find them, you know, definitely. Mm, yeah. So are you just going to be bringing on board the one? The one I think like uh, one, because I just know that I won't be able to like manage more. Yeah, 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 and then obviously, like, you know, like, depending on how this goes in terms of like my involvement and all other dots that I need to connect, kind of like, you know, like behind the scene, because for the users, it's just gonna be oh, answer questions, get the content, go to classes, that's it. Yeah. But I need to connect, like, you know, like all other things because realistically, uh, all these three hundred instructors. I'm not going to ask all of them to create the content because I won't be able to 
manage all 300 of them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's it, why you're, you're going to need to curate it exactly. specifically for the needs at the time. So that's yeah. why we'll see if this goes well, and maybe by the end of the month, uh, there will be less of my involvement. Uh, then potentially I would be able to get, uh, I don't know, like, you know, like more because reality is uh, I like, like, obviously, like it's it's going to be a paid pilot, yeah, but yeah. it's paid uh, just to cover my expenses with uh, instructors. Yeah. If this goes well. And if they like it, uh, potentially, you know, like we can, I can get you know, a like lot more money from them, meaning mm -hmm. that I can afford to hire someone to actually like help me out to mm. do you know like move this pilots but who knows like uh the investor i spoke to yesterday he is uh very interested and i think one of the reasons why he is helping me because uh he wants to have more so he can sell me to kind of like other investors because okay. uh, they're their full investor they don't lead and uh we kind of like it doesn't make sense to go to the next due diligence phase simply because i don't have a lead investor right now yeah and, uh, even if i have one behind my belt something that you know like can prove that you know like it is what it is so that's why uh, this investor is you know like uh, already like since yesterday you know like helping me to just you know like do this simply because they want to potentially like uh, get involved as soon as possible yeah yeah no that's good and it's just it's the same as like with customers right there there are always those people out there who are um either have the foresight enough or are just mad enough that they believe in your idea enough and believe in you enough that they're willing to jump on it early and push it forward it's just you need that exposure and mm -hmm. you know that's that's what i love about what you're doing is you're, you're making your own opportunities where there are none with your own events um and then yeah also just relentlessly going to to, to other events and you know always putting yourself out there and i think that's a really important thing because of with with investing especially um man it's draining <laughs> like it's you know I, I think a lot of people think don't quite understand the level of intensity that is around the sort of the raising trail and how when you're also trying to build a product and build a business and then all of a sudden you've got this thing it's full time it takes you all your time it's just nuts so uh yeah make sure you do it at the right time maybe not while you're also building your product mm -hmm. ideally because <laughs> maybe build and it first you need to build this relationship before you even start any bloody business right there you go so even the other way around yeah yeah it's a constant okay. thing i wish uh so one of the reasons why i'm so passionate about networking these days mm. because like i think in in life i had so many opportunities like for example so i came to the uk to uh study next year mm. uh uh, and I got a uh, master degree in finance in there and university was organizing like so many events there were like mm. so many opportunities and uh, I just disregarded all of this I was like I came there to study I was studying I know like hanging out with my friends a little bit but mainly studying and then uh, moved to London was working and you know, like in the financial sector i would go to conferences but conference again is like about like you know like sales and uh you know like talking to people but networking previously i saw this something that you need to do networking only when you can like get something out of people right now but unfortunately when it comes to networking it's it's, it's a long game it's about 
building this relationship and uh, that's why uh i had so many opportunities and i just again maybe we didn't understand the value and yeah. uh didn't have this uh interestingly i think evening standard published this a couple of weeks ago in london about 50 percent of uh employees got their jobs through connections so it's kind of like you know like official and uh, not surprising like literally it's like you know like surprising and it goes the same when it comes to i don't know like again investment uh business uh looking for a job whatever if user acquisition like, exactly. you know the, the power of referrals is massively underrated when it comes to user acquisition uh maybe a little less now but yeah no i 100 percent agree yeah and it's like if you have these relationships you know like and especially this relationship is uh tested by time mm. then it's just i mean it's not going to get easy but it gets easier for sure oh yeah definitely it's kind of like i wish i had uh realized this you know like sooner yeah right. i'm the same i'm the same i wish i'd realized that sooner too like it's something that i only started really embracing in the last few years of my life and, and my career especially um doing everything quite solo and feeling like mm -hmm. i'm a lot you know i i can do this i should do this alone this is my business you know this is my career kind of thing um and yeah you're right i wish i'd embraced that sooner and i think a, a large part of that is participating in it right mm -hmm. so actually you know trying to give something to help others forces you then into a situation where you are yourself involved so like for example i mean it must be at least twice a day i'm making an introduction on linkedin in a in a, a group chat between one connection and another like i'm constantly doing that when someone i speak to someone i go hmm you should speak to this person about whatever it is you know whether it's a job an investment mm -hmm. opportunity whatever you know um because i think it's kind of paying it forward oh, uh, definitely 100 percent yeah, and you know what come, what goes around comes around, right? But um, and you never know when a person might be, and I hate to use this word because it, it makes it sound like, like somewhat derogatory, but like when someone might be valuable. Oh and yeah, that's not, and that's not to say that like they're a commodity because obviously they're not. Um, they're a person, and there's value in that uh, in in of itself. But but I think it's still important to understand that we all hold value to one another beyond just the relationships we have. And it's good to, to always keep those going and beyond just, I want something from you, but just, mm -hmm. you know, interaction and, you know, things like that, because you never know, you never know what's around the corner, you know? Well, I completely agree. And I think I kind of like, that's what I realized last year as well, that how I saw all this kind of like, again, going back to networking, like wrong pretty much. Yeah. And uh, it's funny that, uh, so I'm originally from Russia and uh i was talking about this with one of my friends she lives in st petersburg and so we were just talking about like networking and mm. she's like but why people go there i know like just talking about how it works in london because in london mm. it works honestly different to like other countries i've been to and mm. uh she went to a few networking events in russia in st petersburg and she, she was like waste of time simply because uh it's all about like immediate gratification. What you can right. get from what I can get from you right now. If mm. there is nothing, why would I waste my time? And uh, so short-sighted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but kind yeah. of like, like I think obviously like there is another layer of culture in Russia and like that goes on top of this. Mm. But uh, I see the same things happen here in the UK, mostly with like younger generation. 
if right. there is like nothing for me right now, then there is kind of like, you know, like, why would I waste my time? And yeah. I think I was there as well. That's why I didn't do any of this because mm. I didn't need anything. I was like, you know, like, why would I? And yeah, that, that comes with maturity too, though, right? Like exactly. when you're when you're younger, I mean, unless unless you can fuck it or unless you can like, you know, it'll buy you a drink, then you're not interested. Like, exactly. you know what I mean? Like, and that's fine because you're 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 young, you're moving fast, you know, you've got no time, you know, you just want to go on to the next thing. And um, I totally get that. But as you mature, you you start to just sort of think ahead a little bit more. I think. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And the same, you know, like what you said, right, in terms of uh, you know, like paying it forward. And uh, when, again, I kind of like had to change my mentality on this. Mm. When I go to this, you know, like networking events, uh, I talk to people and I always, and I'm just like not pretending like it is the case. Like people who can verify this what i can do for you in terms mm. of like i don't know like uh introductions you know like whatever i was at the uh this uh eu summit conference for like startups in barcelona uh two days the number of people i introduced i'm not joking i was like maybe i'm doing a fucking wrong job because <laughs> i like i like to so i have two amazing skills i like to ask questions mm. i don't give a shit if it's stupid or not it's just especially if i don't understand something i would bloody drill my partner he would get uncomfortable like literally because <laughs> he would think that i'm like interrogating people and yeah yeah it's yeah. like me being in russia with uh, being accused of interrogating someone is like not a good <laughs> and uh also i have a great uh facial memory i don't right. remember names i'm like yeah. with names but I do recognize faces, even mm. though I met these people somewhere a couple of years ago. If I spoke to them, I think my brain connects the picture to the story. Mm. That's why I can might not remember the details, but I can remember quite a bit. And mm. for me, it's that's why I think like it's like easy to make these connections because I would talk to someone, ask them million questions, like bloody hell, I was talking to this guy before. Mm. You do you know like you need to connect, but again, yeah. Uh it, for me it's also like it took me a while to understand that you need to i mean before you need to give before you receive that's pretty yes. much kind of like you know like what can i do for you and i honestly i think i learned this from another networking event and uh it was like uh like a membership like monthly membership like networking that would mm -hmm. happen kind of like like every single month and the person who runs this you know like she's amazing i mean like she's a great you know like networking you know like she's a great connector but uh she was also you know like educating her members that mm -hmm. it's about what you can give because reality is like if everyone will start giving away obviously like it, it all come comes back and i noticed this myself that you know, like the more i do for people and then they get like, oh, someone introduced me to someone. And then it's yeah. like, you know, like it's and it feels fucking nice. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like it's it's funny because of um, you and I are very similar in that, in those things that you described about how you like to interrogate people. Part of one of the reasons why I like to do this. <laughs> um, and also, yeah, um, faces and versus names. I'm so bad at remembering names. Like meeting Vish at the um, at the, the networking event. Like I, I, I was stood next to him when, when we first walked in the venue. And I was, I was looking at him. I was like, I recognize you from somewhere. Where do I recognize you? And then we put it together that we were we were we were uh, first connections on LinkedIn, but never spoke to each other before. But I just recognized his profile photo. And I went, 
you, did you used to have a profile photo that was like this? And I, it was like, yeah, I did. How do you remember that? Like, you know, but, um, but, and what you were saying about giving, give, 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 like that is pretty much my catchphrase when I talk to the founders in who I, you know, my client founders, especially early stage, like going back to, sorry to tie this back in, but it's a, there's a nice synergy here about what you were saying about, you know, the, your process that you're going through now, you're going to be bootstrapping this idea of, you know, the customer journey being proactive. Mm -hmm. It's all about giving like, and that's a, a very important thing I think for early stage businesses to be aware of is before you can start asking, give me your money mm -hmm. and give me your business. You need to over deliver, right? Over deliver on your promise of just giving as much value as possible, going above and beyond your, what your product does and, you know, really go out of your way to do as much as you can. And ideally keep doing that, right? Because if a lot of companies, they then get that big, big series A funding and a lot of that stops. Um, and that's that's a problem. Um, but if you can if you can build that into the foundations of your business and your and your corporate culture that you structure moving forward, I think that's a beautiful thing because you will be remembered, mm -hmm. like you said, in the same way that most people don't remember names or we don't remember names, they remember faces. They'll remember what they associate with your company name and logo will be that that sort of entity, that 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 brand of the company that just over delivers, that just goes above and beyond. And I think that's that's what builds those relationships with companies, right? No, definitely, definitely. Mm. Well, look, we're, we're coming towards the end, so um, um, thank you so much. But like, I like to end this in a specific way. So, like I said at the beginning, there's only two bits of structure that I have. Well, this part is prepared, right? This is this okay. kind of yeah, yeah. And it's you. I may be making it sound a lot better than it is. So, at the beginning, there's the introduction, and at the end, there's this thing that I like to do, where I like to, and I've only started doing this recently. Um, where I like to ask, um, sort of take it back to a bit of context. My, I'm hoping that a lot of people watching this might be sort of people who want to just get started, uh, maybe current founders and maybe potential investors. But it's these first two that I'm hoping are going to be watching this and kind of getting some inspiration from the people who I have on here, the founders and their journeys. So I guess a bit cliche of a question, but I think it's an important one. Um, what sort of words of wisdom would you want to impart if you could think of anything along your journey? What what kind of, not advice or anything, but just you know anything really that comes to mind. That you're thinking, okay, new founders, this is what you need to know. Mm, I think be careful with who you listen, and. Uh, I think what you said today, sometimes, you know, like ignorance is, is a bliss mm. because very often I meet like younger founders who are kind of, I don't know, like younger, much, much younger yeah. than I am, right? And uh, a lot of them are quite successful and right. a lot of investors see the young age as kind of like a negative thing. And I kind of like, I get it because again, you do go through your life, you mature, you get some life experience. I mean, there are things that you just can't get at 20. Like literally, like yeah. you kind of you need to live your life. But at the same time, uh a lot of them succeed potentially by luck, but this luck I think is associated associated with the fact that they don't overthink. Yeah. And they don't overthink because they don't know enough. Mm. And that's why it doesn't stop them. And uh, something that 
potentially would be a problem for someone who let's say you know like i went through this business once and this didn't work the same when i mentioned to you this you know like this like you know like a glass ceiling for this mm -hmm. you create this and you don't do this again because it didn't happen to you before uh rather than with uh with them very often they just get over this like obstacles without even knowing it like it was one there mm -hmm. and simply because they don't know and i mean like it's very difficult balance in terms of knowing enough and not knowing too much and i think in reality the more you know the more you kind of like on like want to know like it's it's like a bloody pandora box yeah so just uh i don't know i know it's like not really an advice not really an answer it's just like you know, like be careful with information that you consume and the people who you listen especially when it comes to bad experiences just tell them you know like fuck them and reality is we all learn on our own mistakes yeah yeah i mean like whatever people say mm -hmm. you like no one listens to bloody anyone you go through this and then okay my mom was right my dad hey, was right you're, pre you're preaching to the choir my career is i've said this before my career is basically when someone asks me what i wanted as a commercial advisor is i get paid to be ignored that's basically <laughs> that's basically what i do very rarely uh, you know and it takes time but occasionally then a trust is built and they go okay I've made that mistake several times now and you keep telling me I shouldn't do it. So I think I might start listening to you now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But generally speaking, it's, uh, yeah, people need to make their own mistakes. I think that's good advice. Uh, good advice. But again, it's advice that people shouldn't listen to. <laughs> like everything else. Yeah, that, because you shouldn't listen to advice. Because, so. and, but this, this is the whole thing. I mean, it's a contra it, the whole thing is contradictory in a way, like, isn't it? It's like, like The whole thing is like every experience is unique. Yeah, and that's yeah. why whatever worked for me in reality might not work for you. Exactly. And someone like I don't know, like if I read this or someone told me this, uh, you you can't succeed by replicating someone else's journey or like you know, like someone else's success. Mm. It yeah. simply wouldn't work. You need to find your own way you know like to succeed and you know like do something different that's why in my case i often try to do things like differently not whatever whatever everyone else is doing hoping that this would help me to succeed i mean like so far it's working you know like we'll see yeah. how it works in the next you know, like few years but uh yeah yeah that's, yeah that's, and, that's... and i guess it's also but you know to come back to that word again balance because of there is also certain things that do have to be done very specific ways um in order to work right you know you, you can't like you know say oh I, I i don't know i can't think of an example right now but we there are certain things within within anything that, that it, there are there are ways that absolutely need to be done one way it just won't work or won't be accepted but i think what you and correct me if i'm wrong but i think what i take from what you said there at least is that like don't look to the elon musk of the world or the bill gates of the world and think i'm going to be that think i'm going to be my version of that like your your version of success and your path to get there is very different but they still have a lot of very valuable traits that you can maybe adopt um you know working uh frameworks that you can steal from and methodologies that you can learn from but don't try and emulate that take that and make your own recipe you know 
exactly yeah, yeah. no no that you see that's that's exactly my point exactly yeah. right. use this and just i don't know like do something potentially different with it yeah I mean, but, it will work but yeah on the flip side though if you have an idea for a business and everyone you speak to tells you that's a fucking terrible idea don't waste your time and your money then you should probably not do it <laughs> because if, if you spoke to a hundred people and they're still telling you it's shit and then you speak oh to potential God. customers and they're still telling you it's shit okay. don't do oh, it <laughs> okay how, how about spotify how about spotify oh they know yeah I'm, ah, but but that was that was the industry telling them that it would be shit but the users and investors it. and investors right 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 but the users said they wanted it I mean, so I guess that's definitely like if there is like no indication of like any side, I think they, I think it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess it's not, it's not black and white, is it? There's a lot of gray area, but, uh, but look, thank you so much. I'll let you go. It's been a really lovely speaking with you. Um, and, and you know what? I keep doing these things and I say this at the end, like two hours flies by. We probably could have talked for another two hours. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next event, though. Um, I'm guessing you're going to be sending out the details. For yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. It's just like I like cool. like it's already on event, right? But just like didn't have a chance to actually send this out yet. But yeah, yeah. So exclusive uh, announcement, which will probably be I'll probably upload this after you've announced it. But never mind. Um, but no, I'll see you there for sure. And if you need help with anything again, I'll be yeah, more than happy. I will there. definitely get back to you on this. Yeah. Yes, thank you very much. Cool, awesome. Well, have a lovely day. Okay, yeah, it was fun. Thank you. Yeah, you enjoyed it. It wasn't too bad. Yes, no, no, no. It was good. Like I'm, okay, okay. I'm like uh, I have another investor call in like twenty minutes. So oh, okay. Well, go and prepare, and uh, good luck with that. I hope it goes well, and um, hopefully next time we speak, we'll have some good news. Fingers crossed. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Take care. See you soon. Bye bye. Thank you for watching and/or listening. Please like, subscribe and join the conversation in the comments below.